So let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you today that we have the privilege as believers to gather together to praise you, to thank you, to just uh, most of all praise you for saving us. Lord, we didn't deserve it. It's by your grace. It's by your mercy. And Father, as we seek every day to follow you, Lord, keep us on the path you have for each one of us that we would be light and we would be salt wherever you have us, in the workplace, in our neighborhoods, within our families as well. Wherever we are, Lord, help us to to follow you by obeying your word. And Father, just pray that you would be with each one here. And as we share during prayer time, Lord, we pray that uh, we will sense an openness with one another, that we support, we intercede for each other in prayer. Because sometimes the the burdens are heavy and we don't know how to pray, but we know our brothers and sisters will support us in that. Again, thank you for the beautiful day, the rain this week that you blessed us with. And Father, just pray that you'd bless this time together, that it would bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Growth in a garden is very important. This Tuesday... We have a 7.30 flight to go back to Kansas to visit our parents. Her dad, who is going to be 91 in July, my dad just turned 90. But he has a garden there, and he grew up on a farm, and he loves to garden. That's his outlet. That's part of who he is. And he grows radishes, and he kind of spaces them out so that every two or three weeks there's a new crop and waters it, weeds it, and goes out there. At the age of 90, wears a wet rag on his head so he doesn't get too hot. (laughs) But he loves that. He takes it to the farmer's market on Saturday and then even puts up signs on the corner of the road. People want to stop, you know, for, for potatoes, squash, tomatoes, peas, radishes. That's what he loves to grow. But you have to work at getting vegetables to grow. One thing I've learned over here in Florida, the challenge isn't necessarily a garden, but it's getting grass to grow. Anybody else? (laughs) Anybody else have that challenge? (laughs) We were so blessed this last week with rain, and uh, I know that helped the grass to grow, but uh, when we lived in Colorado, I used to throw seed out until finally after about three, four years, it took root and the grass grew. It doesn't work here. Uh, so I see a lot of people buying the sod, and they put it down, and that one kind of turns white or whatever. They go get some more sod, and every time you go to Home Depot, somebody's loading sod. So <laughs> the challenge I see in Florida isn't necessarily gardens, because I don't see a lot of those around here, but I see a lot of people battling to get some grass to grow. And then a few give up, and then suddenly their whole lawn is rocks instead of that. So... <laughs> To get things, to get grass to grow in Florida, to get uh, vegetables to grow in the Midwest, uh, we'd all agree, I think, that, that it's a, it can be a challenge. Growth physically is very important as it's a sign of life. Uh, from newborn, seems to average at least one a week here at Lakeside. To preschoolers like our granddaughter Carly and Cubbies, uh, we just watched her this last week, and I can't believe she's... A, Coming a little girl now and, and how mature she's getting at three and a half. Uh, I can't remember back when I was three and a half, but 
to, to just see that growth. And uh, children who seem to start school, suddenly they're in middle school. It seems like overnight, time flies. To adolescent teenagers, bombarded with fads, tweets, Facebook, Twitter. I don't know what all these different things are. It seems like they add new ones all the time. So I try not to get involved in that. I'm a, a paper and pencil type of person. Uh, I learned that in the military. You back everything up twice so that if something gets lost, you got a couple of backups. And so uh, I don't trust. I, I work on computers as I have to, and I learn what I have to learn, but I'm not one of those computer people who know all this like probably most of the kindergartners know more about it than I do because they grow up with it. But then you have adults where growth is sometimes outward instead of upward. And when reaching down to pick up a lost quarter, you might have the problem of not being able to get up anymore. You might pass out. So (laughs) you have that growth as well. (laughs) Spiritually, as believers, there should be growth as we experience sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus every day by studying his word, by reading it, by meditating upon it, by obeying it, and then letting it become a part of who we are. God's word shares that we're going to look at today uh, the importance of spiritual growth and join me in 1 John 2. We're going to look at three verses, verses 12 to 14, and here in God's word we see the importance of spiritual growth. 1 John chapter 2 12 to 14. For us to grow spiritually depends on God's power and our human responsibility. We're commanded to grow. Philippians 2.12 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, as I mentioned earlier, our goal is to become more and more like Jesus. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. John MacArthur shares every biblical command toward sanctification assures the necessary obedience of the ones commanded. Bottom line, obedience to God's word spurs spiritual growth. But before we look at these three stages of Christian growth, we need to review some misunderstandings about spiritual growth. And these are important because God saved us, how? By grace, through faith, through His grace. God is the author and the finisher of our salvation. And the first misunderstanding is that spiritual growth determines our standing in grace before God. It does not. As believers, we're all sinners saved by grace through faith, lest anyone should boast. When we are saved as a lost sinner to a standing as God's adopted sons and daughters, Christ's righteousness is applied to us once and all, once and for all. Amen? So it doesn't turn from saved by grace to now to maintain it. You have to do certain things. The second misunderstanding about spiritual growth is that spiritual growth affects God's love toward us. Again, that's not true. Romans 5.8 states, God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. God's love is unconditional no matter where we are in our spiritual growth. If that believer sitting next to you is a brand new Christian and you've been in God's family for 10 years, God loves each of us the same. I praise God for that. Because when we stumble around, God still loves us. He doesn't give up on us. When we cry out to Him in prayer and we say, Lord, I don't know what to do, God hears us and He wraps His arms around us. And He never lets go. Third misunderstanding is that spiritual growth is measured by the number of years we've been saved. That's not true. There are some believers who have been saved for 30 years and they're still an infant. They're still receiving the milk of the Word. They're not growing very fast. Maybe there's a little bit of growth, but there could be somebody saved five years and they're walking with the Lord and they're letting God's Word penetrate their lives so that they're living it and they're growing and they become mature already so it doesn't matter how many years and I got to thinking about that somebody says well I was saved 50 years ago and so they're almost like they're better than somebody who's just saved but you know the fact the bottom line is what that we're saved to brag about how many years you've been saved to me on this earth we have such a short time anyway what's 50 years compared to eternity to everlasting life it's nothing But we have one journey through this life to serve the Lord, to live for Him, to grow. And the final misunderstanding is when people claim spiritual growth is tied to emotional highs, mystical dreams, or sentimental feelings. About two months ago, I had somebody before I retired from the jail, somebody came in and he was an inmate who had been released for a period of time And he was talking about he had this dream and and Jesus came and sat by him and he talked to him personally and kind of told him this and that. (laughs) No, that isn't spiritual growth. That's somebody who needs the Lord. Because to pull Jesus down to where we are and say that mystical dream is more than what God's Word says, no, that's not the truth. But there's a lot of that going around. Because... The world centers on emotions over the truth of the Word many times. And that's why there's so many false religions, false teachings around. Spiritual growth is a lifelong process of hearing, believing, applying, and living what God's Word teaches. And what an honor we have to open the Word here together. Acts 17.11 The Berean believers were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. When we hear a teaching, we compare it with what? The word. Because God's word is truth. Now to our passage this morning. 1 John 2, 12-14. And we read, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome 
the wicked one. First of all, we see here in verse 12, it begins with a general reassurance for all believers. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Little children, little born ones in this context is no regard to age, but to all adopted children of God. 1 John 4.4 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Praise God for that. From God's view, there's only two and only two spiritual families, children of God and children of Satan. All believers have been forgiven of all sins. Acts 10.43 To Him, Jesus, all the prophets witness that through His name, whoever believes in Him will receive forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1.7 In Him, in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. I think we need to praise God for His grace. God's grace never runs out. Every time God blesses us with something in our life, and this is the hard part, and when I share God's word, I know He holds me accountable, just like He does with Steve and Joe and anyone that shares the word. He holds me accountable for that. But it's hard to thank God at times, and I'll be honest with you, for trials. That's not an easy thing to do. But if we know overall, if we really believe Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose, the trials are included. And sometimes through the trials, God teaches us something that He can't teach any other way for us to get it through. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced it, but have you ever felt sometimes in your life that God just had to take a two-by-four and whack you the side of the head to get your attention? I guess I'm the only one. See a couple of nods, and I'm not asking for hands. But sometimes to get our attention, I know God has had to do that with me. And sometimes it's through the trials. And I'm always reminded of that song, Blessings, and I've shared this before, uh, sometimes it takes a thousand sleepless nights to, for, for God to show us that He's near. Uh, because then we turn to Him. We don't turn to anything else. We only turn to Him. And that's when we know that, that we're starting to become what God wants us to be. Kenneth Wiest, a commentator of the New Testament, shares, God's forgiveness includes the putting away of our sins, their guilt, and penalty at the cross. Jesus paid for our sins. Forgiveness, it says, for His name's sake. God gives forgiveness to believers not because we deserve it, but for His name's sake. Jesus chose the cross. Hebrews 12:2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. John MacArthur shares, God forgives sinners because it pleases Him to glorify His name by manifesting His supernatural grace, mercy, and power. We have been forgiven, and so we will forever praise God. Look with me for a moment at Revelation 5, and we get a little bit of a glimpse of that. And I think that's going to be unbelievable. 
heaven. I can try to describe it, but I don't, I don't know if that can even be done on paper. Revelation 5, beginning of verse 11. And here's a glimpse. And I looked and I saw the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Wow. Wow. Sends goose pimples at me just thinking about that. That we will be there in heaven with the Lord forever. Praising God, He forgave us. That Jesus was sent to die for our sins that we could be saved. God's grace. God gave Jesus the name. Philippians 2, 9 says, Therefore God also has exalted Him, Jesus, and given Him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May that be our song every day to the Lord. So now we come to the three stages of spiritual growth. The first stage we see in the last part of verse 13. It says, I write to you little children because you have known the Father. The first stage is to the inexperienced little children. It's the brand new Christian. It's the one who's a new believer. The word little children is different than the Little children in verse 12. This is here in verse 13 a reference to babies or infants that are still under parental instruction. They need guidance. Can you imagine if all the infants physically, the two and three year olds just wandered wherever they needed, wanted to go? <laughs> wandered on the street, wandered out into the neighborhood, tried to pet a dog that was trying to snap at him, whatever it might be. Can you imagine the chaos that would be? They need parental guidance. Just like a new Christian needs mentoring, needs discipling. And God uses other believers, I believe, to do that. How many believe discipleship's important? Somebody's saved and they don't know the basics. They need to be taught that through the Word, through God's Word, which is the truth. Here's what one inmate wrote, a blind man, and he wrote this, David is his name, he's currently in the Baldwin State Prison in Hardwick, Georgia. And here's what he says, I saw a man the other day that by his bunk did kneel and pray, giving thanks to God above for his never-ending love. This man was blind and could not see, yet he saw more than you or me, for as he did his prison time, he repented for his crime. His vision was within his soul, believing Scripture, he was told, asking forgiveness of his sin, that after death he'd live again. I saw a man the other day who made me bow my head and pray. I felt a tear roll down my cheek as my Savior I did seek. 
Now each day I kneel and pray and thank God that man came my way. This man whom I thought could not see, yet who saw more than you or me. Faith in Jesus to get up in the morning. Say, God, thank you for waking me up. I know I've got a purpose today because you woke me up today. To make you value for God's honor and glory to live for the Lord today. And then to say, Lord, teach me what you want me to learn. That's a tough one. Because some days, that's a trial. But through that trial, as James tells us, we can count it all joy. How? If we're remembering too, Romans 8.28, God works it all out for His good, which is our good. Isaiah 55 says, God's ways are higher than our ways. We've got to trust God and trust Him alone. Because the world is a mess. And it's not getting better, is it? It's not getting better. Not at all. A few months ago, at the jail, a man at one of the services, and Doug was there as well, he gave personal confession of his faith in Jesus. He said, God saved me, and I want everybody to know that. It's by his grace. This man was looking at some hard time down the line, possibly... 20 to 25 years. I don't know if he's still at the service, but he said, I want everybody to know Jesus saved me. And I'll tell you, you know, when you see God working like that, it just makes me look forward all the more to being in heaven's core saying, holy, holy, holy. Because God is holy and yet he saved us and we didn't deserve it. Brand new believers have to be aware of false teaching. And believe me, at the jail, it's full of it over there. There's many false teachers. But Jesus has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through me. I believe that. And that's God's truth and that doesn't change. But there's a lot of people, a lot of false teachings that try to get you to go another direction. There's a strong warning in 2 John 10 and 11. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, the the Bible, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deed. Baby believers don't have that foundation based on the Word yet. So they're easy targets. And I've shared this before, but you know how they can tell counterfeit money from the real? You know how they do it? Do you think they look at all the fake stuff? They look at the real. And they know it so well, they say, that's fake. That's counterfeit. That's our goal as believers to be able to know God's Word so that when the false comes, we say, that doesn't line up with God's Word. That's fake. It's counterfeit. New believers haven't had the joy yet of applying verses like Psalm 1.1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Do we have a smile when we get into the Word? We say, God, thank you for allowing me to, to have a copy of your Word, to be able to study it, to be able to meditate upon it, to obey it and live by it. Infant newborn believers have yet to get beyond the milk of the Word, but as they grow in their hunger for the Word, growth will take place. So blessed again to have that service at the jail and to see 
actually men in that service memorizing the word? <laughs> Coming up and saying, chaplain, I memorize this verse, Proverbs 2.9, and they'll quote it. And I know one, one man, Doug will attest to this, named Eric. I've asked for prayer for him. He's in and out. He's presently in the jail again. But every time I'd go see him, he'd say, Chaplain, I learned a new verse, and he quoted. <laughs> I said, well, hide that in your heart, Eric. That's where it's got to be. Because the next time that temptation comes to go back into the drugs, you'll have something to battle with, God's Word. I read this uh, not long ago, and this is written by another inmate, and I thought, it almost brought, well, it did bring tears to my eyes. It, it's entitled, Is Anyone Praying for Me? His name is Art. He's serving in Nashville, Tennessee, at the DeBerry facility, correctional facility. Lord, I've been reading the Bible. There's so much I don't understand. I'm not sure what I should be saying, but I'm praying the best I can. You see, Lord, I'm locked up in prison. But I know that prayer is the key for men were set free in the Bible because someone prayed they would be. Lord, you prayed for Paul and for Silas while they were both locked up in jail, for they were both free from daybreak, and the Bible mentions no bail. And I wonder, who prayed for old Daniel and made those lions leave him alone? Who prayed for one little lost sheep and caused a whole flock to come home? Who all prayed for you, Jesus, while you were nailed to that tree? I guess, Lord, I'm really saying, is anyone praying for me? People need the Lord. By grace we are saved. When God brings somebody in our life, do we put them on our prayer list? Even the ones that we can't stand initially? <laughs> That's hard to do, but God tells us to do that. Second stage of spiritual growth. In verse 13, it's the adolescent stage. And it says in the middle of that verse, I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. And then it talks about in verse 14. It says, I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. This is the adolescent stage of growth. Being concerned about Bible doctrine and applying it to our lives. Psalm 119, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Trademark of this stage of spiritual growth is having a, a biblical worldview and solid foundation of beliefs. And years ago when I was pastoring, long time ago, it seemed like another lifetime ago, but I was challenged by Charles Swindoll. We heard him at a, at a banquet in Denver. And he said, have convictions of your faith. Write them down. Base them on Scripture. And if somebody can show you're wrong from Scripture, then you need to relook at it. But if it's based on God's Word, hang on to it. Because if you don't have convictions in this life, you're going to sway with it, whatever's blowing this way or that way. And here's just a few of them that he challenged us with. And I went to God's Word to put these down and have Scripture based on everything that I believe. Number one, the absolute infallibility of the Scriptures. 
We've got to hang on to the word. The deity of Jesus Christ, that he was the son of God. The virgin birth of the Savior. The belief of historic creation by God as opposed to evolution. And that's still a battleground. The total depravity of man. We can't save ourselves. We can never earn salvation. The substitutionary death of Christ. He died for us as believers. The literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Salvation by grace through faith apart from works. The literal return to this earth of Jesus Christ. And the eternal blessedness of the saved and the damnation of the unsaved. Accountability. And those are just some that I've listed. But an adolescent, one in that stage of spiritual growth, he's hanging on to some convictions. He's saying, this is what I believe based on the Word. Not saying this is my opinion. Saying, this is what I believe based on God's Word. At this stage, young men and women are defending the truth of God's Word and they're able to stand up against false teachings. If you know what you believe... If you don't, you can easily be misled and you have to be careful. As adolescent believers, we are strong and the Word of God abides in us. Strong speaks of strength to overcome Satan. The spiritual energy is supplied to the believer by the Holy Spirit. We often forget the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And there is power. He's the third person of the Godhead. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, what did he quote? God's Word. And after three times, Satan left. It says here, the adolescent believer, the Word of God abides in them. It means to dwell in, feels at home. So when God's Word, it it finds a a good ground there to, to grow in our lives every day as we apply it. The third stage of spiritual growth is revealed in the first part of verse 13 and First part of verse 14, and that is the stage of maturity, adult, fathers. Here's what it says in verse 13. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. Verse 14, I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. Believers who have been infants and they've grown into being adolescents through a working knowledge of the Word, have come to know now God as Creator and Savior on that intimate, personal, close level. I'm always reminded of Enoch back in Genesis. On his gravestone, if they had one then, it would have said, Enoch, he walked with God. Every day. Excitedly, I picture this. Enoch would say to God, what's on the agenda, Lord? I'm going to have to walk with with you, the creator of the universe. I have to walk with the one who saved me. That's how excited we should be in the morning to say, God, I want to walk with you every step. Everything that comes into our lives. And of course, that's easy to do when everything is going great, right? But when you hit that pothole and suddenly the steering wheel is twisting here and saying, Lord, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Lord says, let me have the wheel. I know where you need to be headed. Let go of it. Quit pulling on it. Ever do that? Anybody here, I won't make you raise your hand, a backseat driver? Watch out over there. Look, Look here. Did you see that? 
Oh, man, you talk about making the driver nervous. It's like God do the driving. We don't have to worry about that. That's what, as we mature in our walk with the Lord, that is our ultimate goal. Let him do the driving every day. Job came to know God on a deeper level, what? Through trials. Job shares in Job 42.4, Listen, please, let me speak. You said I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. Now my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. God's grace. God's blessing Job even through all the trials that he went through. And he questioned God with some a few questions, but he said, I repent in dust and ashes. He humbled himself again. That's what we sometimes need to do. Maturity on a spiritual level comes by letting God's word penetrate our daily lives. Second Timothy two fifteen. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have such an honor, such a blessing in America to have a Bible in our hands. There are people around the world who have one page and they get together and they put their pages together to have something to study. And we have, many of us have many copies of God's Word that we can have in our hands to open it and to know God is speaking to us every time. That we need to not only read it and study it, but apply it live by it because if we don't it's easy to get off the right track the lifelong process of spiritual maturity is by the power of the Holy Spirit and as born-again Christians grow as we're getting set apart as we're being sanctified our focus should be on that intimate communion with God Christ's prayer for us recorded in John 17 was speaking, uh, we won't turn to that, but in John 17, beginning of verse 19, Christ prayed for us. Do we need prayer? Do we need prayer from Jesus, the Son of God? He prayed for us because He knows the difficulties that we can't walk in this world in our own strength. Even as believers, we've got to lean on the Lord every day and put our hope in Him. I reminded the men at the jail many times and I was just reminded yesterday of looking at Psalm 42 and 43. And Doug, what does it say, those three words? Three times? Hope in God. Hope in God. Steve went through that, uh, Pastor Steve, not long ago. But in Psalm 42 and 43, three times it says, Why are you disquieted? Why is your soul so going crazy, chaotic? Hope in God. Hope in God. Hope in God. Why does he say it three times so we get it? That's our hope. We live in a world of hopelessness. But God is our hope. He's the one we need to turn to. And as we mature, as we grow, that becomes a part of who we are. And that's the important, it's a lifelong thing going on in our lives. Spiritual energy is supplied to the believer by the Holy Spirit who gives us victory over Satan. 
as we concentrate on God's word more and more, our desire for a close relationship with God will grow. Look at the prophet Daniel from the very beginning as a teenager, taken as a captive to a foreign land, and he was commanded to learn all about Babylon and all their many gods, and yet Daniel did what? Every day he prayed. He said, I pray to the true God. Was that tested? Absolutely. But every time, even with the dream, remember when Nebuchadnezzar had that dream and and all the wise men, quote unquote, wise men, Babylon couldn't figure out. Daniel went to God. God told him what the dream meant. And when Nebuchadnezzar was trying to praise Daniel, what did he say? No, no, it was God. I want to give God the credit. When God blesses us with an opportunity, as I heard shared by Mark, this young man was saved. That's praise to God, because God did it from beginning to end. And that's where we need to focus on, that God gets the honor and glory. So we've looked at three stages here, the infant, the adolescent, and the mature, the father. But whatever stage of spiritual growth we're in, we need to do, as Peter records in 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a privilege we have. So we need to ask this question, where am I in my spiritual growth as a child of the King of Kings? Another question, how important is it that I am growing? One inmate wrote this, and this is entitled, The Journey. This was written by Holbert Bridgman. He's serving in East Arkansas Regional Unit in Mariana, Arkansas. We all endure this journey, God's gift to us, called life, using the Word of God to help us get through the strife. And now on this great journey, you've really, you've really yet to perceive the truth of all God's blessings that you, by His love, receive. Your worst can be in the past. Repent, believe as well. The best can be straight ahead that God's grace will tell. Let Scripture be your blueprint. Thank God for a better way. For you to be redeemed, He gave His Son to pay. The Lord wants to bless you, that you may praise Him and grow. Your walk will be rewarding His wisdom you can know. Understanding His will and undying love, the message that He brought, hope for lost souls, the brokenhearted, all those whom sin has caught. So let your journey continue to ever higher ground. Above all earthly pleasures, you now are heaven-bound. Every day we walk on this earth, we're one day closer to being in heaven. And we've already looked a little bit at how glorious that will be in God's presence. As we desire to be more like Jesus and study His Word and obey it, we will grow spiritually. We have one opportunity to walk on this earth to serve the Lord. We don't grow in our spiritual lives to keep our salvation, but to show our salvation is real, that it's genuine. Because when people know we put our trust in Jesus Christ, they will watch us. And they will see, is this something you just do once a week? You go to a service on Sunday morning and that's it? No, it's something we 
live every day. And we live for Him. We will walk or talk and we'll be God's light and salt in the workplace, in our neighborhoods, within our families. We have one life to live for Jesus. The question becomes, are we doing it? And if not, why not? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for the encouragement. That Father, you love us no matter what, but because we love you, we want to grow. We want others to see that you're real because they see you're real in our lives. May we reflect your light. May we be salty that they would thirst for you. And thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word that we know it's absolutely true. We can depend on it. We just need to obey it and live by it. Thank you again for this time together. Bless each one here. In Jesus' name, amen.